before I give you the scripture, which I know is going to drive Spud nuts. I <laughs> Before I give you the scripture, I want to read you a few things <clears throat> that I have written down. Um, the difference between the church and the kingdom, okay? Uh, early on in our walk with God, we obviously were in the church. Uh, we'd been, been born again in the water and spirit. Uh, God had changed some things in us dramatically and instantaneously, miraculized us in some areas. And then he had left some areas for each one of us to work on uh, that he knew we could. He knew that some of those areas would be hard, but why, if, if God did all the hard things for us, that would make us God and make him the servant. Uh, there are some things that God will take away from one person uh, that he won't take away from another. And he'll leave that thing for the other person to work with. And yeah, it'll be hard. And yeah, it might be tough. And yeah, uh, it might cause some pain to get rid of that thing or to learn how to do something different the right way. But we serve a God that put skin on and did the hardest thing possible. And that's not even talking about the cross or the whipping or anything. It's just talking about the fact that he died for people that didn't love him. And we were talking earlier about learning to love people that don't love you back. That's tough, man. But God can ask that of us because he did. He did. The same ones that, that were saying Hosanna to the king and throwing palm leaves down the road so that the, the animal he was riding on, its hooves wouldn't even have to touch the road. They were saying, whoa, you're so awesome. We don't even want the hooves of the animal you're riding to touch the ground. Just a few days later, we're yelling, crucify him, spitting in his face. And then when they had a chance to yell for a pilot to let Jesus out, they said, we want Barabbas. We want Barabbas, right? So we serve a God that did hard things. So there are some hard things he will leave us to do. So early on, um, being new and not knowing anything, uh, except for <clears throat> zeal, and zeal will take you a long way, but you have to add knowledge to that zeal or you can be dangerous, you know, to yourself and to others, really. Uh, <laughs> we began to realize that there is a difference between being in church and going to church all the time and being kingdom-minded. Mm -hmm. Being church-minded and being kingdom-minded. Uh, the kingdom is everywhere. When, when Jesus said to pray ye the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into the field. It's funny. He didn't say pray that I would convert enough people to become laborers. Mm -hmm. The laborers were already there. They just had to be sent forth out into the field. From where? Up on the platform, mm -hmm. in the pew, in the Sunday school class, in the kids class, inside the body to go out into the field, right? Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. Listen to this. And these are things I have seen and we both have seen and learned over the years. <clears throat> My church runs every decision it makes through the filters of territory, position, politics, or organization. So what I mean by that, when I say my church, I don't mean the bridge. I mean, when we have the mentality that it's my church, I'm in the church, and that out there is all the lost, and yeah, we got to go with them, but this is the church, right? P 
people that are completely church-minded, organizations that are completely church-minded, that only fellowship themselves, have rules, every decision they make goes through the decision of what territory is it in. Like an organization that I was in for a decade. They divided up places by territory. They would call each state a district. I was in the district of Illinois. They would divide the state up into sections. We were in section 11 in the Illinois district. Then the sections would be divided up and each church that was in the city, that city belonged to that church. Now, understand something. You need to be organized. I get it. You need to be. If, if you are, have a, a fellowship of people of uh, like-minded believers and you're spread out all over through the state of Tennessee, will it make sense that there would be one section that would be in Greensville? I mean, we have a Greenville a branch of the Bridge Church. And I've already, you know, made mention to Jimmy and Stacy, half kidding, that when they start winning people out there, you know, that first of all, in conversation with them, that they don't have to tell the people, we go to church in Kingsport, and man, you ought to come with us. They can say, hey man, you know, we go to church in Kingsport, but we can have church right here. We'll have a service right here. They'll come out here and we'll have a service here. And then God wins enough people. Well, guess what? There's a church in Greensville, ain't there? There is. And it ain't, I, I'm not going to be like, they need to be coming here Sunday and they need to be sitting their ties over here, bro. No. It's the kingdom, man. Right. Win them where they are. <laughs> Grow more people where they are. Win more people where they are, right? But there has to be organization. So I get the fact there would be districts and sections, right? I get all that. It makes sense. Especially if you're going to have fellowship and have organization. The Bible's clear on offices. There are offices of bishop, there's offices of pastor, there's different offices. That makes sense. Now, what doesn't make sense is if you get to the place where every decision you make based on a soul depends on what section it's in, uh, who the pastor is in that city, and before you help that person, you think about all those things first. Where instead of thinking, man, this dude just told me, if you don't help me, I'm going to die and you say, well, how can I help you? And you just help them at their point of need. But instead you say, well, no, wait a minute. Okay, that's section 11. That's presbyter so-and-so. There's a pastor in that city. Hey, hang on, dude. Uh, let me call you back. I'm going to hook you up with somebody. And you get out the phone and you call that pastor because it's in his section in his city. Now, you don't have a clue if that pastor has any background in his life whatsoever where he can even connect with that person. And I would throw this at you to think about. God is in charge, last I checked. And God, if he wanted that man to go to that man for help, he would have put that man on that man's mind even if he don't know him. God visited Paul when he was on a mission trip one time, had a vision of a man that said, come to Macedonia and help us. So God can, if God demands that that person go to that pastor in that city, he would put that pastor's face on that man's mind. Right. And then make that dude go looking for him. He's either God all the time or he ain't God any of the time. He can either do stuff like that or he can't do nothing. I tell you, he can do stuff like that, right? So God puts somebody in our path to help them. We're supposed to help them. I had a call uh, last week from, uh, from a man that I hadn't talked to in decades. Uh, grew up with him. He was uh, a few years younger than me, uh, but we grew up. We Our families knew each other. We uh, played ball. Uh, there was a day when the ball field was our church and ball was our God. It was. 
And that's how we knew this guy. We grew up with him. I watched him grow up. Hadn't talked to him in decades. He calls me up or sends me a message. Says, hey, can we talk? I answered back and said, yeah, it kind of reminds me of somebody. And I answered back and immediately I thought, Lori, you know, I did. That's how she reached out to me. And so I answered back and said, yeah. And I sent him my number. He calls me back. And he goes, look, dude, all I know is if I don't get help, I'm going to die. These are his words. Okay. If I don't get help, I'm going to die. And he says, and all I know, I don't know what you believe. I don't know all that stuff. But what I do know is I've known you all my life. And I know you were one way and you were way that way. And for the last 30 years, you've been a whole nother way. Now, I don't know what that is, but I need some of that. Uh-huh. Now, you got you got to love when people come to you like that. They don't come to you through the lens of a lifetime of religion or how their grandpappy taught stuff. They just come and said, all I know is something happened to you and I need that to happen to me, which is how it's supposed to be, right? I mean, it is. That's how it was in the book, right? So anyway, I talked to him and I explained to him. I said, look, dude, you don't need religion. You don't even need church. Yeah, his mind's kind of blown by that. Uh, you're going to need a church, but that's not what you need right now. You don't need to go hear a sermon somewhere. What you need is to make contact with God. That's what happened to me. That's what can change your life, and that's what you need. And I said, I'm going to hang up with you, and I'm going to get a hold of somebody, and, and they're going to they're gonna reach out to you. This guy was all up in Illinois. And I said, they're going to reach out to you, and they're going to help you. And I hung up the phone, and I was 100% confident that this person would reach out and help them. Because I knew this person knew that person. This person grew up with that person. And this person now is Jesus saying baptized, Holy Ghost filled, goes to a church in that city. So I'm all excited. And I said, I'm driving and I send a message and I say, man, I said, uh, uh, so-and-so just got a hold of me and said that they're, if they don't get help, they're going to die. And they said, they're willing to try anything, whatever you can show them in that Bible, they will try. And I get a text back says, well, man, that sounds pretty good. Well, four, five, six hours ago, seven hours go by. And I, and I sent a message to him and say, hey, let me know, you know, that you got a hold of them. Seven hours go by. Uh, I get a call from this person that had called me the first time and said, yeah, no. I said, what do you mean, no? I said, well, they didn't, never call me. I said, what do you mean they never called you? And he said, uh, no, they just never called me. And I said, they did text me a few minutes ago. I said, they texted you. Yeah, they texted me, and they wanted to know what my schedule was. And, and then this person that got a hold of me and said, if I don't get help, I'm going to die, said, but we're on different work shifts, so it's probably not going to work. Now, that's code speak for the dude you sent me was a flake. Okay, this guy who was talking to me to reach out for help told me, if I don't get help, I'm going to die. I sent him somebody, don't text him for seven hours, and then text him? When, when you're going to die, if you don't get help, you don't need a text. Right. And if you get a phone call, the phone call is supposed to say, hey, I'll be right there. Yeah. Right? Now, the reason this didn't happen was because the individual I reached out to is in the church, but not in the kingdom. Here's the difference. And some of you have made mention of a couple of these things. One of the biggest differences of is when we're in the church and just in the church and not kingdom-minded, right? We process everything according to what it's going to cost us to help them. You don't know how much pain this is going to cause me to have to go through this. You don't know how much I'm going to have to drive one way to get there and then drive back to do this. You don't know what this is going to cost me financial. You don't know the argument I'm going to have to have my spouse just say, I got to go. You don't know that. 
And when you're just in the church and not in the kingdom, then you say, no, I'm not going no further. I'm good. I'll just be as effective as I can be right here. And then you let the person on the other end, well, if they die, they die, I guess. Mm-hmm. If you're in a kingdom, when you're in the kingdom, your mind says, this is going to cost me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to have to drive. I'm going to have to spend money. <laughs> I'm going to be back early in the morning. I got to work tomorrow. I'm going to be wiped out. I'm going to have to argue with my wife because she's going to be worried about me. Even though she knows I'm doing the right thing, she's still my wife. And she does try to protect me. And that's what she does. But I'm still going to have to argue with her. And I'm going to have to go anyway. I'm going to have trouble in my finances, trouble in my sleep, trouble in my job, trouble in my home, and trouble in my marriage. But guess what? I'm in the kingdom. And this man said, if he don't get help, he's going to die. So there's a difference between someone who's just in the church and not in the kingdom. Now, understand this. When you cross over and you become a person who's not just in the church but also in the kingdom, it's going to cost you everything sooner or later. Because what's going to happen is I'm already trying to figure out in my head when this next week I can drive the 12 hours up to Rockford and spend the next day with this man, talk to him, baptize him, pray him through the Holy Ghost, and then drive back the next day. I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to get the money to do that. I'm going to try and figure out how I'm going to do I'm trying to figure out all those things to do. But you know why I'm trying to figure that out? Not because I'm St. Arliss. Because I'm in the kingdom. And I know this book is real enough to where I know one day I'm going to stand in front of Almighty God. And if my answer is, dude, I tried to help you, and all the 12 preachers in your city, I, I, I tried to get hold of all of them. I don't know what to do. I live in Tennessee. I hope it works out for you. Well, see, if I was just in a church, I could say I live in Tennessee, and you're up there, and there's 12 preachers in 15 <coughs> churches, and somebody up there ought to help you, because I'm in Tennessee, and our church is in Tennessee. But when you're in the kingdom, you remember Jesus said to go ye out into all the world. The harvest is in the field, and the field is in the world, and there is no borders, and there is no section, and there is no district. It's a worldwide kingdom. And when we can help somebody, we do. Now see, but again, there's a cost to live like that. Because here's what's going to happen. Even though I reached out to the proper channels, right? And all the people who, this man is in their backyard. Even though nobody did anything to help him, when I make that trip up there to help him, I'm going to get my phone. It's going to blow up sooner or later because I crossed districts. I crossed sections. And I got in the city that some man's church is in to help somebody in his city. And they ain't going to care that they didn't help him. All they're going to care about is I didn't, I didn't reach out to the proper... Am I telling the truth about this? Yeah. I'm telling the truth about this. When me and Kitty first started to see that there was a kingdom outside the church and being faithful to the kingdom and the lost would cause you trouble in the church. We started getting in trouble and I've been in trouble ever since. And I'm just telling everyone you right now, sooner or later you will hear all kinds of things about me. If you haven't already, you will. And look, if you feel like you need to tell me about it, you can, but you don't have to. You really don't because I've heard it all. This is my secretary. Kitty's not really my wife. We're not really going to celebrate 30 years marriage in November. She's a secretary from the church that I ran off with. We stole all the money from the treasury. Yeah, that's true. Uh, let's see. I don't have any spiritual authority in my life. That's the other thing that you'll hear. How will they know that? I have no idea. Well, you know why they know that? Because 
I don't belong to their church and I don't have any of their chain of command who control me. So because of that, they don't know what to do with me. They know they can't do anything with me and they can't. I'm loyal to one and that's God. Now I have people over me. You can ask my wife. I have people in my life that I've gone to and I've said, you can tell me if there's ever a time where you feel like you need to say something to me, please, for the love of God, if you love me at all, tell me. How smart you got to be. Amen. Yeah. If you ever see anything in my walk or in the way I'm doing things that, that, that bothers you in the spirit, I want you to tell me because I might be wrong. And I have people like that I have submitted myself to. One of the people is the elder that I read that letter to, to you guys that time about the new open door and stuff. Why would he send me that letter? Because he prays for me every day. Why? Because he's accountable for me. <laughs> and he takes that serious. Right? So anyway, the cost. In order to be loyal and faithful to the kingdom, you will make church people mad. You will make church politicians mad. You will make church organizations mad because you won't follow any of their rules. Because here's the thing. If you do follow all the rules, people are going to die lost. Mm -hmm. That's just the simple truth of the matter. They are going to die lost. And the question has to come back home to us. Well, how important is that to us? See, our want it bad enough has got to be greater than the trouble it will cause us. It's one thing to say, God, you can use me any way you want to until God wants to use you any way he wants to. You can say, God, I'll go anywhere and do anything you want me to do until God tells you to go somewhere that's going to cause you a bunch of trouble and tell you to do something that's going to cause you a bunch of trouble. Then it's a whole other ballgame, right? But it's okay because the kingdom is the most important thing. Without the kingdom, there will be no church. But without the church, there's still the kingdom. Because quite frankly, the kingdom's there in spite of the church in most places. Mm -hmm. What we do, we, we, we break all the rules the way we do things. Because we do them kingdom-wise. They're all in the book. So let, let, let me read this to you. That was the first one. <laughs> if we're just in the church, we make all our decisions based on territory, position, politics, <coughs> organizational structure. If we're in the kingdom, we make every decision based on its eternal impact. Right. What else should come first? Mm -hmm. <laughs> the first consideration ought to be, how's this going to impact their eternity? Right. If I don't go help, I don't want to drive all the way up there, dude. You kidding me? No. I don't want to drive all the way up there in the state and drive back. Man, I'm 180 years old. It'll take me two weeks to get over that. I don't want to do that. <laughs> And I don't want to go back up there to the rude north. I don't want to. I have no reason to go back up there. I don't. But how will my going up there impact this man's eternity? And that's the only question that matters. You understand? It's the only question that matters. Nothing else matters. If we're just in the church, the church has cities, sections, and districts. The kingdom has no borders or boundaries. If we're just in the church, it has rules. Like healing a withered hand on the Sabbath is against one of them. If we're in the kingdom, it has some rules, but it's mostly principles. Like, I'm going to heal this man's withered hand whether you get mad or not because I care more about him than I do your stupid rules. Right. Amen. Now, that's a reference to the story of Jesus in the synagogue one day, a man with a withered hand, and all the Pharisees and the church leaders were in that service, and they're watching to see, will Jesus heal him? It's the Sabbath. Will he break the rule? And Jesus got mad. 
And he knew they were just waiting to see if he'd break the rule. And he healed his hand. And he said, hey, man, which one of you guys, if you had a donkey fall in a ditch on Sabbath, you'd help him. You care more about your donkey than you do your brother? Hmm. See the difference? The church says these are the rules. This is the way we do things. And the kingdom says, I don't care about your rules. I care about that person. And if helping that person breaks all your rules, it means you're going to talk about me the next 30 years I live in the Kingsport area. I'm in, baby! Because I want to help somebody. There's nothing more important than eternity. If we're just in the church, we care more about whether the people doing the good are in my church or my organization than we do about the fact that good is being done. Here's your story. Disciples came to Jesus one day and said, Jesus, we saw this dude over here casting devils out in your name. I mean, first of all, he had the power enough to do it. Second of all, he had the truth of the name of Jesus. And they said, but when he saw, we saw him, we didn't know who he was. He wasn't in our church. He didn't come to the Russell Chapel on Wednesday nights. You know what we did? We made him stop. Because when you're just in the church, the most important thing to you is, it's not that good's being done, it's that the good that's being done is by us. See? What did Jesus tell him? Jesus, obviously kingdom, man. And he said, hey, <laughs> don't do that no more. Because if he's not against us, he's for us. You see, these disciples didn't stop to think about the man that just had the devil took out. All they knew is that guy don't he in our congregation. He ain't licensed with our fellowship. Uh-uh, buddy. This is our territory. Go on. They didn't think about the next. I wonder when they stopped that man from casting the devil off. Do you suppose there might have been other people with devils lined up waiting their turn? And this man turned them all away. That means these disciples still did not have a kingdom mind. You see, a kingdom mind sees souls first. Souls first. That's a hard thing to do. Because when you see souls first, it will cost you everything at one point or another. Because when you see somebody's soul first, all right, I'm coming. <laughs> when you see somebody's soul first, hello? When you see somebody's soul first, Oh, wait, where's my wallet? <laughs> and that's why so many people make the decision to just be in church. And I'm helping. I'm helping reach loss because I get my offer and I get my tithe. I help. Meanwhile, out in the field. See, when you're in his kingdom, you don't care who's whooping the devil as long as the devil's getting whooped. Man, I've told everyone of you before. I've told Lori five many times. I'd love to see her get the Holy Ghost. I hope I do. But I don't care. When she calls me so I got the Holy Ghost, if I'm in the car, I'm pulling the car over and I'm going to get out and lap around that little Honda. Right. And I'm not going to say, well, well, who is praying for you? Uh -huh. <laughs> because when you're in the kingdom, you don't care. When you're in the kingdom, all you care about is, Lord, he got the Holy Ghost. Good grief. Man, ain't good about it. You know what happen? Evangelist or preacher comes in here and I have a guest preacher and you, they preach one time. He or she preaches one time and Lord, he gets the Holy Ghost. You think I'll be mad? 
I'm be like, dude, hey, how long can you stay, man? We'll start a while. How long can you stay? Yeah. Right, that's easy. You think that's easy to say, but you ask Kitty. We've done it. We had a man come with his passion up north, and we had this young man named Curtis in the congregation, and he had all kinds of hindrances, man, all kinds. But, you know, he would come and he would try, and then he would just zone out real bad. And we prayed for him a hundred times and been in service a hundred times. I'd preach every day and do the priest. I'd pray every day and pray. I couldn't miss no more meals. And, and this guy comes through one time. I didn't know who he was. He just came through. Somebody asked me to have him. I said, okay. He came through, preached. Curtis gets the Holy Ghost. Uh -huh. Brother Montgomery. Who's a pastor now in Altoona, Pennsylvania. And you know what I did? Hey, brother. <laughs> How long can you stay? You know why? Because it's a kingdom thing. It doesn't matter who does it. All that matters is it, it happens. It don't matter who whoops the devil, as long as the devil's getting whooped. That's the difference between just being in the church and being kingdom minded. The church is us four and no more, no matter what they say. If they're not kingdom minded, when you're kingdom-minded, man, our job's everywhere. Everywhere. When we come together, we get to hang out with people we love, uh, love and know already and get to get caught up on the week and, and get to worship together and it's fun. And, and we get to get a little knocked into us so we can go back out in the field where the work's done. <laughs> if we're just in the church, oh boy, this one's going to hurt. I know my phone's going to blow up. I don't care, Pinterest. Well, it ain't Pinterest, is it? Spotify, I don't care. Blow my phone up. If we're just in the church, they go on and on and on yammering about saving the lost and fishing for souls, yet most of the people who get saved in a place that's not kingdom-minded come in on their own. <clears throat> Yikes. Uh -huh. Or their family is somebody already there. That ain't fishing. If we're in the kingdom... We work every field we're in and wind up having to send, having to find a church to send people to. You see the difference? One of them comes in all the time and talks about fishing. We're going to fish, we're going to fish, we're going to fish. And they never teach anybody how to fish and they never go fishing. But we have some awesome seminars on how to fish. But we never fish. But when it's a kingdom-minded group of people, they love people everywhere they go. And see the key, like Lori said earlier, the key to the whole thing is just love. It's just loving people. It's just being nice to people. They're going to see that difference in you. And they're going to ask questions sooner or later. Or they're going to want to know what it is about you, man. What are you up to? You trying to borrow money? Or are you really just that nice? <laughs> when you're in the kingdom, you work every field you're in. That means that you, Travis and Lori are getting ready to, to go on vacation this weekend. Well, we'll miss them. God knows they've earned it. They've worked hard and they deserve a good vacation. Well, when they're on vacation down there, they're going to enjoy themselves, but they're going to be nice to people. At least Travis will. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> See, when they go down there, they're on vacation, but guess what? They're still in the field. Mm -hmm. And it don't matter that the church they go worship together, the group people they go worship together ain't even in that state. That don't matter. <laughs> you know, they come across somebody, Lori can tell. Lori knows what a single mom's eyes look like when she's at the end of her rope and she doesn't know what she's going to do. Lori knows that look because there was a, a day back down the road when Lori saw that look in the mirror when she was in it. So God might put Lori in a checkout line somewhere with a single mom whose heart is breaking, who just prayed this morning, Lord, 
If you don't send somebody to me today, this is it. I'm done. The Lord spots that pain in the eye and just says, hey, you good? Just a simple thing like that. Or like, hey, you got this, Mom. Something that simple. And even if she walks away and the lady don't respond, that young mom might walk away saying, thank you, God. I'm going to go another day. Right. You see? Kingdom-minded. If we're just in the church, we talk so much about the fields being white and ready to harvest that the preacher sounds like a broken record. Yet we're in church so many times a week, the only time we're in the field is work in Walmart. Oh. You start a church, you get to pick how many nights you have service. And I've seen it. I've seen it five nights a week. I've seen it six nights a week. And they call it the kid service, the little kid service, the big kid service, the single mom service, the married mom service, single man service, married man service, and there's church seven nights a week. Now, I, I, please understand the spirit I'm sharing this in. If you're in church seven nights a week, when in the world are you going to work in that harvest that's white and ready to harvest? Well, when are you going to be in it? Yeet! Usually the only places we can fish then are work in Walmart and we'll be finished Fishing at work, our field work usually stops. Most people in the 30 years that I've been in the kingdom that you see when people, they're either family or someone they work with. So then, if we're in church all the time, our only fields that we have to be in then are work and Walmart when we go shopping. And once we've burnt out the workplace, once we've fished through that and everybody's in church, praise God, <laughs> then the fishing usually stops because we're no longer in any fields anywhere. And a lot of times it's because we're in church talking about the field. Does it make sense that we would be in the church all the time talking about the field being ready to harvest and instead of being equipped to go out in that field and bring in the harvest? You, you see the difference? Okay. The best job title we could ever have, field hand. Now, God, you know, there's things in the Bible. Uh, there's uh, bishops, pastors, teachers. Uh, you know, there's, there's gifts in there. And, and there's titles in there and responsibilities. But the sad thing is, is there's plenty of people that have those titles today that don't perform the function of field hand. We should be a field hand first and always a field hand. Now, that's the best title, but it's also the toughest job description. You know why? because it has no borders no boundaries no set hours of operation and it is combined with never factoring in territory position politics organizational concerns or cost to self that's the price of being a field hand and what that means is is that the clock never stops amen Somebody says, I, I'm going to die if you don't help me, and it's 1130 at night. Well, you know, uh, people like me and Jimmy, we like to go to bed with our birds because we got to get up with them. But if somebody's going to die, we're, we're probably going to be, uh, try to keep them from dying, right? That's the price of a field hand. The field hand never says, oh, man, i got to go through Section 11 to get up there. i got to go through the Illinois District. i got to go in that pastor's town. Man, it's going to cost me all kinds of trouble. No, field hand don't say that. A field hand says he's in the field. He's going to die if I don't help him. I tried to get somebody in that location to help. I got to go. That's what a field hand does. Mm -hmm. And it'll cost you. It'll cost you everything sooner or later. I was pastoring up north, Harvard, Illinois. 
there was this town, two towns away, and the organization I was in had a had a thing in their manual, and all of them do, no matter what their denomination, all of them have a thing in their manual that uh, says that uh, each a new church has to be started so and so many miles away. Now this makes sense in a sense because you know you start a church on on Center Street uh, right across from the Chinese market, and it preaches. <laughs> Acts 2.38, well, it don't make any sense for someone else to go on the other side of Center Street, right next door to the Chinese market and start another church with Acts 2.38. What sense does that make? There's a whole field of 50,000 people. Why are we going to compete for the same people? On a certain level, that makes sense, okay? But I was pastoring in this town, and we crossed paths out in the field, imagine that, with this family who lived two towns away. Well, we made a connection. We started winning this family. We won them to the Lord. I get a call from a pastor in my fellowship who was in the town on the other side of that town, two towns away, and told me that I was there illegally, that I shouldn't be in that town. And I asked him why. And he said, because he was teaching a Bible study to somebody already in that town. And I said, well, sir, how long have you been teaching that Bible study? And he says, about six years. And I said, well, how many more families have you won? He goes, well, we're still working on this one. <laughs> I had to think for a minute to behave. This man would prefer that I leave that family alone and let all the rest of the 12,000 people in that city die lost, all because he had a footprint in that city. Right. Never mind that he'd been teaching a Bible study for years and hadn't even won that family. He would rather me follow the rules of the church and say goodbye to that family, goodbye to that city, because he was already in it. Well, of course, you know me well enough to know by now that didn't happen. Right. And I got a call, and well, it was all fun. It was really fun. It was a blast. But we won that family. They got into church, we baptized all of them, and we even started to work in that neighboring city. So I made a lot of new friends, didn't I? But there's a cost that comes with being in the kingdom. But there's nothing better than being, man. See, when you become just solely church-minded, then everything is here. Sooner or later, all you're going to get is here. Because you're not going to read that all the time out there. You will for a while, and some people will like to read, but people don't like to read and that's a chore for it. Nah. When you're church minded, you'll get it here. Why? I'll get it here. I, I, I gotta listen to them for an hour each time, twice a week. I get enough. It's good. If you're church minded, all your worship happens here. You can turn the radio on and stuff, but it's just music. You're not worshiping. You're not loving God. You're not sitting in a Jeep at lunch rebuking the devil and telling him to leave you alone <laughs> if you're church minded. But when you're kingdom minded, it's everywhere, right? Now, I'm going to read this scripture, and we're going to be done for the night. This is going to be a series that's going to take a while. Jesus had much to say about the kingdom of God. So every Wednesday for a while, we're going to delve into some of the stories he told about the kingdom of God. Tonight, I'm going to give you something very short, but very powerful. The book of Luke, chapter number 14. Let me find it, bro. I will. It would make no sense to tell you where it was and not let you find it. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to learn how to use this thing. What? 
Does that have a gloss in the front? I already asked you that. Well, I've been at it. Let me show you something. He switched Bibles. Well, good. Table contents. Most important page in the whole Bible. <coughs> Look, That's right. the Old Testament. Stick together forever. No. You know what makes them stop? They start fall. They start wanting to fall. You will. Fifteen Okay, chapter number fourteen. You said Luke, right? Yep, Luke chapter number fourteen. This is Matthew. No, oh, you gave you the wrong page. And then there's Mark, and then there's Luke. Okay. Right after Matthew. Okay. This is what I use as a phone. Yeah. <laughs> This is why I no longer have a problem with people using phones. Luke what? 14. 14. I'm going to tattoo it. Uh. There's eight. You got to keep going. Okay. Hold it. Hold it. Hold We're making progress. You're getting there. So there. Keep going. 14. There's 12. Yes, I know that. I'm in it to the end, dude. His face is killing me. <laughs> hey, here we go. Hey. Somebody already read that. Huh? Uh-oh. <coughs> okay. We're not going to read very much tonight. We're going to start verse number 25. And there went great multitudes with Jesus. Multitudes. Let that sink in. Not a multitude. A fun fest in Kingsport. That's a multitude. This is multitudes. And as the multitudes went with him, look what he did. He turned around, looked at them all. Jesus knew that not everybody following him was following him. And he knew that not everybody that was following him knew what the cost was going to be. So rather than waste their time, he decided to tell them what the cost was going to be. Now watch this. If any man come to me and hate not his father, hate not his mother, hate not his wife, hate not his children, hate not his brothers, hate not his sisters, yea, and even hate not his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Mm -hmm. Now, two heavy things there. The first heavy thing that comes to my mind after the hate, obviously, is the fact that if I don't hate everything and everybody, including my own life, not only, he didn't say they can't be saved, he didn't say he wouldn't go to heaven. He said they can't even be a student. Everybody turn around and look at them and say, now I know a lot of y'all follow me, but okay, you need to check this out. I'm not open to open registration here. Can't anybody that just decides they think they want to follow me, follow me. 
So if you're going to be one of my students, because look what he said, if they don't do these things, they cannot be my student. In other words, if you can't do this, I don't want you to follow me any further. That's tough, man. Now, now this word hate, that sounds pretty, I mean, that's like harsh, right? Is this Jesus telling me to hate my daddy, my mama, my wife, my, my, my children, my siblings, and my own life? No, that word for hate right there is pronounced miseo. And it means to love less. Altars wide open. Because <laughs> look at this. Jesus is telling everybody here that if you don't love your mom, your father less than me, that's what he's saying. If you don't love your mother less than me, if you don't love anybody you know less than me, as a matter of fact, I'm just going to go ahead and finish it with this. If you don't love your own life less than you love me, just go on back home. You can't even be my student. You gotta, you gotta get that. In other words, you can't even register for kindergarten. <laughs> oh, ouch! So, being that heavy, what does that mean then? What that means is, when I am faced with a choice of doing what I know I have to do, what I want to do in my relationship with God or not doing that because it's going to make so-and-so mad. I have to choose what is important in my relationship with Jesus right. even though I don't want them to be mad. And I didn't write this, okay? This ain't some dictator preacher trying to brainwash it. This is right here in the book. This is how I have to live, right? This is how I have to live. So I have to make them mad. Family reunion? Look, man, I want to come. You kidding me? All them people making their best food? I think it's genius. I want in. But if you're going to schedule that family reunion for 2 o'clock on Sunday, I'll be there when I can get there. And I know great, great Aunt Myrtle's 95,000 years old, and we may not see her <laughs> next year. Okay, but listen... I want to be a student of Jesus. Right. And I'm trying my best to learn how to follow him. And he said, I can't even be a student if I don't love all that less than him. Now look, I'm not talking about every time there's something that you can even maybe hint at and say that's spiritual, that you just shut out your family, shut out. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, first of all, the things that are important to your relationship. Right? Right? Your relationship. If if Wednesday night Bible study together is important to your relationship, then that falls in this category. If Sunday service is important to your relationship, then that falls in this category. Now you've already heard me say Travis and Lori are going on vacation, and I'm excited. Yes. I'm glad Travis made it with all his hair in his head after all them shifts to be able to go on vacation <laughs> and not get a bald sunburn. <laughs> So you see, you understand the same man that is excited about that and saying, get out of here, is the same man that's saying that we have to make sure that in our relationship with Jesus, that that is a vacation. You're right. I come into church and don't see Lori there. I'm, 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 
Right. See, I'm a stutter and sputter just like yeah. this. What? Because Lori has exhibited the fact that that is an important part to her relationship with God. She doesn't come there because she's worried I'm going to be upset with her. She doesn't come there because she thinks, well, everybody's going to be like, where's Laura? No, Lori comes there and she said it herself. She's had Sundays where she said, man, if it wasn't for this, I wouldn't be here. She said it. It's become an important part of her relationship. And that's what this is about right here. There are times where your father, your mother, your brother in the church and out your children, whether on purpose or not. Notice Jesus doesn't, he doesn't give that. <coughs> he doesn't give that qualifier. doesn't matter if they didn't do it on purpose. What matters is when I'm faced with a choice to choose between what I know I need in my relationship with him or this thing they got going on or come under fire from them because now I'm doing things that are different that I never did before and they don't understand them. Well, guess what? Usually they don't try to understand them either. When it was us, we didn't have any of our family didn't understand saying, hey, can you show me the Bible while you're doing all this stuff? No. All we heard is, that's not. Never mind, they don't have a clue what's not. But they were not sincere in their questioning of why these new things were in their life and why some old things were getting tossed out. Is that making sense? So, so Jesus, first of all, it's the relationship part. Then next, it's the work part of it. Because there will be times where in order to do what you need to do to help somebody that ain't got what we got, there's going to be times where you're going to have to make somebody mad that's got what we got, supposedly. Yeah. Yeah, can I say that? Yes, I did. And in those times, you're going to be... Now look, it's one thing. We can all sit here and nod our heads together and say, well, of course, yes. Well, it's a whole other thing when you're feeling that. It's a whole other thing when it's your biological or it's your spiritual that you've had for decades and, and all of a sudden it's like, this is going to cause a division and you're on that side if you do this and you're standing there and you know God wants you to do this. Now it's rubber meets the road. And you have to make up your mind. Am I more loyal to what I know the king of the kingdom wants? Or am I going to cave into this pressure? Mm -hmm. And it's a hard thing to be in that situation. It really is. If any man comes to me and doesn't love his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, and even his own life less than me, he can't follow me. Can't even be my student. What's that part about loving my own life? Well, that's, your, that's our comfort it is. Winning people will get uncomfortable, man. Helping people can be uncomfortable. And you know how you can tell? Look and see how few people there are in this world that would genuinely just help somebody for no reason. Right. It's uncomfortable. So? We can't get away from the fact we serve a Savior that went through a great deal of discomfort. Mm. <laughs> right? Mm. You see the God we serve? He took all those things out of the box. We can't even go to Him with Him because He's like, and... And I did. And I did. So love my life less? That means I would choose. I would choose to be in an office. I would choose to be in an office working that master's degree I went to school for. And I'm not doing this right now. I'm just I'm giving you the, the for real deal example. In my flesh, in my choice, if Arliss did what he wanted to do, he wouldn't have to 
praying that the offering's good on a particular Sunday or, well, it's going to be macaroni. Or he wouldn't have to go to North Carolina and have a half a tank of gas and, oh God, I got to get home. I'd like to eat before the revival's over. And you know what he'd do? He would go down to an Eastman or go <coughs> to somewhere else and put an application and have that master's degree work for him that he earned to get and sit in an office and never have to worry about money again and take his paid days off and pay his own way to all these places and never have to worry about anything again. If I was going to do my life the way I wanted my life to be, but I've tried and still try. It's not easy. There are times, you can ask Kitty, there are times where I'll talk to her and I'll say, you know, I've been thinking about putting in some applications. <laughs> and then we've gotten to the place where we're like, oh, that might be dangerous. <laughs> because if God doesn't want my life live like that, then I can't. I can't. Because I will be choosing my life, right? Over the life that God's got. And please understand, I'm not, I'm not trying to set myself up here and say, you know, you need to be like me. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, what I'm trying to say to you is, is that if you get kingdom minded and you make up your mind that the most important thing to you is eternity and people's eternities, then there will be some things that will come your way that you won't get to do the way you want to do them. Mm -hmm. And they might be a little harder than they would be if you did them your way, so you think. But what'll happen if you do it his way instead of your way, and you do love your life less than you love his life, you'll get to see people's lives change. Yes. Oh. And there's nothing like seeing somebody that does, has anxiety all the time. We're stressed all the time. There's nothing like seeing that face just go, ah. And hear their tone of voice change. Amen. Tiffany, yes. A girl that was, I'll give you the story, and I'm, I'm, we're closing. Thank you for that. That's yeah. perfect. We were doing a work in Fall Branch, Tennessee, and almost everybody in that work was a backslider, except for two. And this girl was one of them. This girl would come to church and drive me nuts. I would open prayer and I'd ask, anybody got a prayer request? Tiffany. And she would talk real slow. She was on stuff, you could tell. And she would give that prayer request and it'd be five minutes. And then I'd move on to somebody else. In my spirit, now, I'm telling you, as a man, as a person, okay? I would do the prayer request again. I would be nice and polite. And I'd drive home and I'd tell Kitty, I'm going to throttle that kid. <laughs> I know she's doing it on purpose. I'm going to throttle that kid. Drive me nuts. <laughs> I'm going to stop taking prayer requests. I'm just, I'm just going to quit doing prayer requests. <laughs> well, I did that one service. Guess what Tiffany did? <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, you have special unspoken? No. I'm telling you, it was hard. But we did what God would have us to do. And I kept praying, Lord, let me know when I can say something. No, let me know if I should say something. Right? Let me know if I should. 
Well, the time goes on. We go to a service, a prayer meeting at the church. Tiffany gets the Holy Ghost. Gets the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, this kid whose eyes were always half shut, this kid's eyes are wide open. She's got light on her face. She's got a big smile on her face. She beamed. She would walk in a room, and I'm telling you, the room would light up, and everybody would be wanting to stand next to Tiffany. And I'm sitting at my daughter's house one day, about two weeks after Tiffany gets the Holy Ghost, and the whole time I've been, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Tiffany had testified after she got the Holy Ghost. She was on 20... I thought it was like 10. It might have been No, it's was, wait, it was yeah. yeah. It was a ridiculous number of psychotic medications, antidepressants. I mean, it was in the, it was two score at least. It was so much that I, I thought she was lying when she first told me. And she said that when she got the Holy Ghost, she went home the next day, dumped them all in the toilet, never took another one. And she was, boom, complete, this whole different person. Well, a couple weeks later, I'm sitting in my daughter's house and I'm reading the newspaper. And there's a story about a trial going on. And the trial is about this teenage girl who was duct taped and raped by her cousin and her cousin's friend. And they used uh, um, objects on her and did it for hours. And when it got to the end of the article, her name was Tiffany. Our Tiffany. So when that Tiffany was coming in that church and slurring her prayer requests and aggravating Arliss the whole time, for some reason, God thought he could trust Arliss and everybody else with Tiffany. And if Arliss hadn't lived his life the way he wanted to, there had been a service in the middle of us and hey, there's other people here. Little did I know that that little girl was sitting on that front row trying to ignore the images playing over and over in her mind and trying to talk through the drugs to make an, words that made sense. And she was on those drugs because that was all the doctors knew to do for her. We can't help you, so we will numb you. But if Arliss had been church-minded, you don't do church like this. Come here, let me explain to you, Tiffany, how to do church. You give one prayer request, you give it fast, and you don't interrupt no more. And for God's sakes, quit taking the drugs. That's how you do church, you see. Now, I would love to say, be up here and tell you that Arliss did all that the right way because he's got it and he knows. No. You see what I'm telling you today? No, man. This thing right here is as hard for me as it is for anybody else. But if we do it this way... Who knows how many Tiffany's in Greenville? Who knows how many are right here around us every day? And I would love for God to trust us with some Tiffany's because I'm telling you, you get a Tiffany in your church and it'll turn your church upside down. So today, tonight, I want you to think, you know, during the week, and and again, we're going to hit more of these stories from Jesus And he points out what the kingdom really is. But I'd like you to think about the kingdom and the church. And think about how you really can be churchified and not be in the kingdom. But the cool part is, is if you will pay the price to be in the kingdom, 
you're in the church. Can't right. be a kingdom without right. it. And God will start trusting us with assignments out in the harvest, out in the field, if we'll be kingdom-minded, because it's a great big old kingdom, man. There's people in that kingdom hurting, just like we were. There's people in that kingdom looking for something, just like we were. And God will send them to us. He will. Lord, I thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord, for the church. And I pray right now, God, that you would help me that through this course of this series of these lessons on the difference between the kingdom and the church, that there is never anything I would say that anybody would ever have an opportunity to think I don't love the church. Lord, the church saved my life. Yes. It didn't just save my soul. It saved my life. It gave me an awesome wife. It gave me awesome kids and grandkids. Everything I have in my life that's any good is because of the church. So Lord, help me to teach this in a way where they know my love for the church. But Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for the day you visited me and Kitty and you opened our eyes to the fact that there was a kingdom too. And I thank you, Lord, when you opened our eyes to the fact that if we make a decision to be kingdom-minded, to be field hands, that it will cost plenty. It will cost church things. There will be churches that will have nothing, nothing good to say about any of us. There will be other Christians that will have nothing but sideways things to say about any of us because we don't follow all their rules. But Father, today I ask you to give each one of us, not just me, give us the understanding and the vision of the kingdom. Give us eyes to see your kingdom, to know it when we see it. Give us eyes to hear it, that we would know it when we hear it. And help us, Father. Lord, this is a mighty tough verse right here. It's one thing to open my mouth and say that I, of course I love Jesus more than anybody or anything else. But Father, I, I know personally it's a whole other thing when that decision has to be made and we have to follow through with it and it hurts our relationship with our parent or sibling or church. It's a whole other thing. So I pray today, Father, you would help us, God, to make up our mind that we are going to be kingdom-minded, that we're going to be the kind of people that if we can help, guess what? We will. But that's what we do. Help us, Father. Help us, Lord, to, to love because that's the key. People need love. People in that kingdom that are hurting, they need love. This man in Illinois, he doesn't just need to know that Jesus loves him. He needs God with skin on. He needs somebody to put legs on their love and love on him too. He needs to be able to look at another person and know that person loves me and they don't have to. Let us be the people that will love people when we don't have to. I pray tonight, God, that you would open the eyes to all your people. Visit those people that have, have been in church all their lives and never 
busted a blister in the kingdom. Visit people tonight, God, that, that, that have turned down opportunities to help people because it wasn't in their section or because they hadn't called their pastor and told him about it first or, or whatever the church reason might be. They, they were like those three men that went right by that man in the ditch <coughs> and just left